Today's episode of the Utah Man Podcast is brought to you by Lyft. Now, Lyft is rapidly becoming the go-to choice for Utahns need in a safe and convenient way of getting where they need to go. Due to the popularity, Lyft is in need of more drivers. Lyft is currently offering listeners of the Utah Man Podcast a bonus of $300 when they sign up using our exclusive code UTAHMANPOD. Signing up, it only takes a few minutes. You just download the Lyft Driver app right on your smartphone. You put in the code UTAHMANPOD and get ready to drive. If you're looking for an easy and flexible way to make some extra cash, driving for Lyft is the way to go. Sign up today and don't forget to use our code UTAHMANPOD, that's POD and P-O-D, to collect your bonus. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, Utah drops a game to the Sun Devils of Arizona State, and we're looking ahead to Oregon. And we're going to be looking at the curse of November and what Utah can do to reverse that. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And we got Scott. Are you going to give us massages now, Scott? I feel like I'm at a spa. Now imagine you're in a meadow. I, I need this after that game. I can already, I already feel more relaxed. Colorado, USC, BYU has all just lost. You're in a meadow. You're getting a massage. Life is good. Peace. Joy. We've got the Zen master here with us tonight. And then cr- everything blew up. Utah had everything in their hands. Everything went their way the last couple weeks. Everything was building it. for this moment, for this moment to go on the road and seal the deal and break the curse. And the curse lives on. The curse is stronger than it ever has been. <laughs> I never believed in it. I always thought it was just kind of dumb and silly that people always talked about it. But I believe it now. <laughs> it's real. And it's spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, spectacular is a little strong, but... Uh... You know, no, I almost tweeted out before the game last week that just all this negative Nancy crap on Twitter about whatever uniform they're wearing, they're going to lose. November <laughs> hits, we're going to lose. I mean, it was it's just a crap well, crock. And, and then and then what happens? And then during the game, I'm venting to Ryan via text message, and he's just Mister Positive. Oh, don't worry, they're gonna come back. They're gonna be fine. You even called me Chicken Little. I did. <laughs> I, I was did. on those text messages. I, I will concur. He did call you that. Look what happened. Well, I mean, I thought we would be at halftime. We had reason to believe we would be fine. We came back. It was got obviously ugly beginning. We got down fourteen zip it was, again. It was a one point game going on. The and then quarter. the Utes um, rattled off seventeen straight points to take the lead. I thought, here we go. 
Then the defense got back out there and gave up that touchdown. And then from there on out, it was. Well, let, just... let's 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 start at the beginning. Okay, first drive, Utah holds him to a field goal. We thought <laughs> a missed field goal, a missed field goal. But no, 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 no. Pac-12 refs have to insert themselves into the game. Not even the refs, the replay officials at the command center. And yes, technically, did he lead with his helmet and and the crown of his helmet? Yes. But it was such ridiculous. He was not going after him. It was such little contact. We take a missed field goal off the board, give him seven points, follow it up with a bomb, an absolute beauty by Tyler Huntley that is dropped at the two-yard line, popped up into the air. If you look at if you look at that game, it should have been Utah seven nothing after our first drive or seven three. Instead, we're down fourteen nothing. That's a twenty one point swing in the first three series of the game. That's huge. Down twenty twenty one point swing in three series. You and Ryan, as you mentioned, we seventeen unanswered points. We take the lead, and what happened? Blackman had the opportunity to pick it off. A great move, but he didn't make the play. He hasn't made a play all season. I mean, just calling calling it what it is. He just he has not produced, and and we'll talk about it. The secondary in general, but then that's another seven points potentially. If if we pick that off, even if we don't score, but maybe we get a field goal out of that drive going into the halftime. There's another 7, 10, 14-point swing because of that pick. Those are things you just hard to overcome on the road against a good team. This morning on my way to work, I re-listened to our episode from last week. Man, we were so happy and giddy and positive about the direction of this team. And so, so naive. <laughs> so naive of us. And uh, I got thinking... I think it almost did look like that's the the mentality the team had going into that game. Like they started l- reading their press clippings, you know, the old the old cliche reading their own press clippings and and seeing how dominant they've been listening to everyone talk about it and they just didn't put the effort. There was no even Whittingham talked about it in his press conference today that the the D-line didn't play well. They missed tackles. I mean, the, the whole defense didn't play well, but it starts up front. And and that wasn't the defense that we've watched all season long. Even in the beginning of the season when the offense struggled, the defense was always there. And they were, it was a complete no-show. Yeah, well, when Winningham talked about after the game, how there wasn't an edge to the team. Something to your point, Ryan, that you know, the last couple of weeks, they've kind of had to play behind the eight ball because they dropped the first two games in conference. And then they have the week where everyone just keeps losing They're and they're rising to the top of the South division. And they, you know, kind of lose that edge. that It's a, a playoff game. Mm-hmm. They come out. I don't know if it's, if it was because it was an afternoon game, it was warm. They just weren't used to it. I don't know. Oh, that but was the other superstition. <laughs> 18% humidity. Afternoon games, uniform they're wearing. <laughs> November. And, and November. I mean, but what, whatever it was. It was the trifecta, they, and all three of them worked. Well, Whittingham said they didn't play with an edge. No, Something they didn't. that this team has to play with. No, there there was no edge. There was no 
the there was no physicality. They were not the Utah team that you come to expect week in and week out. The wins the line of scrimmage that just plays physical. There was no physical play whatsoever. Defensive line was getting pushed around as the game wore on. The offensive line got pushed around. It was it was not a it was not a good performance. And the the thing that's frustrating about it that's the biggest game of your season. You win that game, the South is yours. In that type of environment, how do you not come out with your freaking hair on fire? And I don't want to go blame coaches, and I don't necessarily want to blame a bunch of 18 and 19-year-old kids, but it really points to the the leadership of the team, and they they didn't come ready to play. And and, and you're right, in a game that, that was that important, you're, they should have come out on fire, and there there was nothing. From the very kickoff of the game, there was nothing. And it didn't get any better throughout the game. It was like... No, it got it got worse. As the game went on, it just progressively got worse and worse. And, you know, there's the thoughts out there, if Huntley doesn't go down, you know, we still probably win that game. Who knows? I mean, nobody knows. But uh, we weren't really... Uh, <laughs> we, we, we had been struggling for quite a while, even with Huntley in. So I'm not so sure that all, it's so easy just to say that we would have ran away with that game, um, especially the way Arizona finished that game. So it's it's another missed opportunity, and you can it's a new chapter in the November curse because this is now what the fifth year that the Utes have had an opportunity in November to win this thing and put it away. Granted, it's not over yet; there's still an opportunity, but uh, it does not look good after losing Tyler. And they're going to need some help. So you've you've lost the control that you had just one week ago. So, Scott, you said Utah needs uh, help. Since the game, I've been looking up different witch doctors, trying to see how someone does reverse a curse. And I've come down to, to three things you need to do. One, it, it says to clean your house. Winningham's firing their OC. You need to burn incense. Make the spirits drive away with that. Larry Skoviak's on the hill. Get him some sweet grass. Come to the football facility. And the last one is you got to find who put that curse on you and go after them. Go after them? <laughs> to what extent do we go after them? <laughs> you so, have to pay the $10 to see the answer. <laughs> so do we just be like, it was this guy. And that's it? Or do we have to drive a stake into their heart? I, I, think what, I think what we need to do is we need to go to somebody who has got a little bit more experience in this. Um, yeah, a good friend of mine, he's, uh, he's from uh, Venezuela, uh, Fernando Perez. Um, he's, a big, he's a big fan of the show, and he called in uh, because he wanted to, to help the youths. He knows we're going through some struggles right now. So, so Fernando, are you on the line? Welcome to CurseBreak.com. This is Evangelist from the Press, and today I'm going to be praying for everyone victim of witchcraft curses. If you are suffering under a witchcraft curse, I want to pray for you today in Jesus' name for your deliverance. Thanks, Fernando. That was, I just feel better already. <laughs> Sorry, we shouldn't laugh at prayer. Guys, if you haven't if you haven't had a chance yet, go to cursebreak.com. Fernando is gonna get this out of our system. So Fernando, what what else do you have to say? By revenge, I say break!
taken off by the power of the Holy Spirit that come in, come out of them, come out of them. Every evil spirit attached to them that came through witchcraft. Fernando is just rolling. I am feeling good. Man, why was he in Tempe with the team getting them ready for the game? He's got some passion. He was more <laughs> pumped up than the team was. He, the curse is gone, folks. <laughs> Fernando. It doesn't matter what they're wearing on Saturday. It doesn't matter what time the game's at. A- a- after, after that, I challenge the Utes to wear camo jerseys. Play in November on the in the afternoon on, on the, the Pac-12, Pac-12 Network. Network. Anything you want to end with, Fernando? Say thank you, Jesus. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, I'll tell you what. I'm feeling pretty good about things. All you naysayer Utah fans, superstition is, it's gone. It's over. And and that's what we're here for, you fans. And as we were preparing for the podcast, it was almost as if Fernando was speaking to us, trying to send us a message that it would all be okay. It's East, Fernando. It's East. <laughs> All right, Utah fans. I feel like we've we've done our part to help break this curse, this hex that's been placed upon us. After all of this, this house is clear. I have exercised the demon. Well, I feel kind of like a new man. I'm hoping we see a new team come Saturday, too. All right, so I hope everyone had a lot of fun uh, with that. We we sure did. We really didn't want this to be a total doom and gloom podcast talking about the game. But let's just go ahead and jump in and talk about this defense. The defense gave up 536 yards to Arizona State. And and really, it started with the trenches. Their own line just dominated uh, Utah's defensive line and the linebackers. They couldn't stop uh, Benjamin on the run. He finishes the game with 175 yards. And Nikhil Harry, I mean, what can you say? He's an NFL wide receiver. He had a, he had a monster game, and I it didn't appear that Utah did anything out of the ordinary to try to limit his touches. And maybe that was a result of what uh, the formations that uh, that ASU were were throwing at him. Maybe there wasn't a way to double cover him I, I i don't know enough about x's and o's to to know that but it just didn't seem like it's like it was a lot of one-on-one coverage a lot of times it looked like one-on-none coverage <laughs> there there were not dvs in the screens at times for the for the youths it was it was not a very good performance defensively i mean very uncharacteristic of this team uh, to give up 251 rushing yards on the ground especially coming in where this this D line has been so dominant week in and week out to just get, I mean they got embarrassed. It was it was the whole team. It was awfully embarrassing, and uh, it was just very uncharacteristic. Granted, we we didn't expect that in the run game. We were concerned in the passing game and what the secondary was going to do. We're nine games in at this point. What what are your thoughts? Where do we stand as a, this this defense in the secondary? I mean, that's one thing we've talked about almost every single week is that the secondary gives up a lot of chunk plays on the pass. 
They have from all season long. They they've surrendered a lot of yardage in the passing game. The thing that stands out to me is there's 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 just not a lot of playmakers in the secondary at the moment. And when I say playmakers, I'm saying guys that are making plays on the ball that are consistently maybe breaking up passes or intercepting intercepting the ball. You know, in, in the years past, you know, from the Eric Weddles to the Marcus Williams, Robert Johnson. Steve Tate. Steve Tate. You know, Utah's had some real ball hawks in this in the secondary that that you can rely on to to pass to break up some of those passes and to and to create a huge turnover in the passing game and we're just not getting that. Ballard really isn't a threat. Blair's not much of a threat um, in that regard. Really, the only guy in the secondary who has produced any type of interceptions is Jalen Johnson. Um, at the corner spot, you're not getting much out of Gidry, although Gidry's doing a pretty good job in coverage. Um, Blackman has somewhat been a disappointment so far this year. And I think that's what the secondary is missing is the ability to make that big momentum ch- changing play. So with that secondary, Scott, going back to last week's episode, you wanted to sit Blair for this whole game. You probably don't know the difference. Wait, they didn't? <laughs> he, did he play in the second half? No, I mean, with, you know, joking aside, obviously that was maybe not the most popular opinion. Um, some some didn't like it, but I kind of I stand by it because guess what? If Blair is playing in the first half, Philippa Fee is not in. Obviously, you don't know if if uh, Blair's gonna. I mean, Blair Blair could have done <laughs> helmet to helmet too at that same time, but you know, you take Blair out of the first half in that first drive, Ballard gets dinged up. So you've got two backups at the safety position on that first drive with Phil Pafia making a crucial mistake. So, again, it is what it is, but it just seems like we this defense is getting targeting penalties way too often. And I don't, I don't know what the cure for that is. I, I'm sure they're not being taught to lower their helmets and drive, uh, drive it into the opposing player, but... That seems to be happening quite a bit, and it's it's starting to hurt this team a little bit. I don't necessarily want to beat a dead horse because this was this was a painful game for all of us to watch on Saturday. But you know, taking us back to the episode before the first game, when the three of us kind of got together and talked about what we expected and picked our picked our outcomes for the season, I think one or two of us may have selected ASU as a loss, and we talked a little bit about how there's going to be one game because there always is there always seems to be one game a year where we anticipate Utah should win and they lay an egg and here we are with that game we've struggled down at uh, down in Tempe um when they put that number stat of years. on the I mean I know it's been over several years because we haven't played them on a regular basis until we joined the Pac-12 but it was like 21 and 8, 21 and 5 that ASU has dominated this uh weird weird situation and uh just we have not had a great track record down there. I think we all thought with the momentum this team had, the confidence that and the swagger that they were playing with that that would overcome, but it did not by any means. And uh, and that and again we've kind of talked about it, but this that swag, that it factor that we've seen over those last four games, it was so prevalent, it was nowhere to be seen. 
offensively, defensively, special teams. It was just for whatever reason, I don't know if the moment was too big for the guys or they were playing tight knowing how much was uh, the importance of that game and what was riding on it. But to get where this team wants to get, obviously this coaching staff, um, they're frustrated. These players are frustrated. But it's just, it's hard as a U fan. Mm -hmm. Time after time to invest your time, your energy, your finances to uh, um, just continue to get so close to what we want. And have your heart ripped out. And it just continues to get ripped out. Obviously, that'll the attention turns to Oregon this yeah, Saturday. And, and, and as, as devastating as it was and as hard as it was to watch, you know, all's not lost. There's there's still opportunity ahead. There's, they're not out of this by any means. And it's it's going to take them winning their last two games, and it's going to take ASU losing a game for that to happen. But that's possible. I mean, hopefully this lit a fire under under them. They ha- they have the talent. We've seen the defense play. So I mean, you're right. They have the talent, but they're missing some talent in one of the no, most important positions. You're right, and and this could be that could be a demoralizing blow. I mean, I think we'll know in the first quarter how this has affected the team. Because this, if you think back, kind of a strange season so far, right? High expectations coming out of the gates, and we kind of just flop early. It almost seemed like hope was lost, the South is gone, and all of a sudden a Utah team that we were hopeful to see and we wanted to see all of a sudden started to play, started to get some national attention, started just to dominate games week in and week out. And man, we all were on that train flying a hundred miles an hour, and boom, it stopped pretty quick, all because of an injury to Tyler Huntley. And it wasn't; it was it was five weeks ago where people were questioning whether Huntley was the guy. It was after that Washington State loss. We were interviewing Brian Brown on on the podcast, and he went as far as to say that if if Huntley doesn't show in that next game, he needs to be benched. For Tuttle, and look, look where we are now. He's gone, and so is Tuttle. Man, our our quarterback position was looking so good for a little while, and now it's just kind of back to bare bones a little bit. But you know the the attention and the pressure is now squarely on the shoulders of one Mister uh, Jason Shelley. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he prepares this week and how he takes this opportunity um, and what he what he can show because there's been a lot of talk. Jason Shelley beat out the the one and only Jack Tuttle. And a lot of lot of talk in that regard that Jason Shelley should have been switching positions, should have uh, should have transferred out, whatever, and he comes in and he wins the backup job. So there's something to be said that uh, that he stayed around and he's earned this opportunity to be the backup and now the starter due due to this injury. So now we're going to see whether or not uh, whether or not he's got what it takes to to lead this team because Huntley got us Huntley got us this far, but there's a lot of pressure in these remaining two conference games to for him to come in in his first two starts and get wins to get Utah to the south. And I'll tell you what, you're right. There is a lot of pressure on, on Shelley uh, to to get that done. However, I think there's a little more pressure on the coaches for the decision process to get 
for Shelley to be the number two quarterback. Because if this fails, every single fan is going to look at the coaching staff for not choosing Tuttle to be the backup. Good point, Ryan. You know, there's a lot of pressure, not only on Shelly is what people are talking about, but the coaching staff for those decisions. Uh, so Shelly does come in as a redshirt freshman uh, at a Lone Star High School out of Texas. He's undersized. He's, they list him at six feet. I would be surprised if he's actually six feet. He might be a little under that. He's, oh. he's six feet with heels on. <laughs> uh, he had offers to Clemson, SMU, Utah State, and Virginia. So... A couple P5 schools there. He did win the state championship for his district in Texas's junior year. Teammate of, he was teammates with Jalen Dixon in high school. So they have played a couple years together already. So that should help in the program. They're going against an Oregon team that gives up 265 yards through the air a game. I, I'm kind of feeling that they're going to let Shelley kind of air it out. He loves the home run ball. That's what he did a lot in high school. I, I honestly think it's going to be business as usual. I don't I don't think there's going to be much of a change with the quarterback position. His, his first two deep passes in that Arizona State game were home runs. They were beyond the fence. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could have just been a, a little nerves a little, or whatnot. A little, uh, little juice I mean, obviously flowing he, through his veins. He's got a... You know, hopefully work on a little this week, work on his little intermediate uh, throws, having a whole week to prepare. But I honestly, you know, I, I know people have been saying that now Moss has got to up his up his rushes uh, the next couple weeks. I don't think you do. I, I think you run the offense just as if Huntley was in there. That's why you recruit the way you do. Obviously, you know, Troy Taylor's going to put a game plan together, which he thinks is going to be a, a strength for, for Jason Shelley. And it's going to work against this uh, this defense of Oregon, but I think you kind of you kind of have to follow what what Arizona did two weeks ago against Oregon. They just ran all over Oregon, ran for over 250 yards on the ground. I think they only threw for about 180, 190 yards through the air. So you do not need Jason Shelley to to just turn into Joe. Joe Montana oh, and I, and I wasn't trying to say he was going to throw no, for no, over 260 yards. I just say you can't abandon the the, no, the throw sure. game completely no, and, because and, it's and, there, and there's a, there's a lot of talk that Moss needs 40 carries in this game, and uh, you know that's that, too many. Well, not only is that too many, but if if that's all you're going to do, they're just going to load the box, and you're going to have a hard time getting the yardage you need play after play after play you've got it you've got it to an extent unless you just have an overpowering offensive line which we at times have thought we've had but it was definitely not there against Arizona State you've got it you've got to continue to do what got us to this point these last four games we were not asking Tyler Huntley to throw the ball 30 times a game complete 16 to 18 passes for 180 so yards but continue to establish that run and dominate in the run game. And that's how you beat this. This is how you're going to beat that Oregon team because you also need to keep Oregon's offense off the field. I think that's the biggest key. You got to keep Justin Herbert off the field. Yeah. I mean, you, so you've got to create some long possessions and burn some clock and limit the amount of possessions that Oregon has. And this is not the same Oregon offense that we've, you know, seen over so many years that just high tempo prolific across the board they, they've had some struggles so they're not just a well-oiled machine but but they have shown uh, especially last week against UCLA that they still can put points up on the board and uh, if they decide to throw it yikes 
I, I, I do think there, as hard as it is to lose Huntley, because he he's overall playing, playing pretty well, there is a benefit to the entire offensive scheme that Shelley is a very similar type quarterback. They're not, there's not going to be a lot of changes that need to be made in order for this to work. I think they can run the same type of plays. I think he's got a strong enough arm to make the throws. So it's just a matter, of, I think, them going out and executing. I'll, I'll bet we see a lot of some new stuff this week. I think you're going to see some... Uh some trickeration. I think you're going to see maybe some wildcat with a covey. Um, I think I think they're going to. This is a big game, and you you to an extent you have an unknown in Jason Shelley. We we think we may know what we have. We're hopeful that he can go out and produce, but we just don't know. The coaches don't know. So to an extent, I would not be surprised if they if they've got a few wrinkles in their sleeve just to. Uh, um, just in case to really leave nothing out on the field, because if you lose this game, good night, curtains. You know my my final thought on on Jason Shelley. He is by far one of the most improved players from last season. From where we saw him from from fall camp last year to spring this year and fall camp this year, he's right up there with Cody Barton as as far as guys that we saw in practice that have made tremendous steps. So. I think he's earned this. Uh, even with if Jack Tuttle was still here, I he's he's earned it, and hopefully he gets it done. What do you, what do you think Jack Tuttle's doing right now? Do you think he's uh, have a little regret in his decision? I mean, I I've thought about this, and I th- obviously a bunch of Ute fans have thought about it because it's all over Twitter. But I don't know that we'll ever know because there's probably more to the story than what's out there. He may have left for non-football reasons, but if he did leave for because of, because of lack of playing time after six games, I mean, if it if I was home sitting on my couch and saw that pop up on Twitter, and I was him, I'd be like, "Oh crap!" Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he he could be right in the mix and uh, have the opportunity to. And again, who knows whether uh, whether he would have gotten this opportunity over Shelley. Um, but he would have had, he could have put some competition on the board to see who, who gets this job the remaining three games of the season. But it, it does come down to Shelley. And, uh, and it's another thing is you, you probably don't want to run Shelley all that much because if he goes out, you are either to, uh, Drew Lisk, a walk on, or to, uh, emergency, or emergency quarterbacks <laughs> in Covey and Hanson. So, so I'm not sure, and if that happens, uh, Ute fandom will just cease to exist, and we'll all just crawl into to a hole. Well, I remember the three of us sitting talking earlier in the year when we found out that uh, Tuttle was going to be the third string quarterback. We kind of all speculated that, uh, you know, if Huntley gets hurt, then if it's if it's just you know a game or two, Shelley steps in and kind of continues to run the offense. But if it's a season ender. Tuttle takes over to get him the experience, and well, and that and that Whittingham that came straight from him, so it wasn't even just fan speculating that uh, that would be the case. Whittingham said as much. So, but it's a moot point because uh, Mr. Tuttle is probably in San Diego. One thing is clear: the Rice Echo Stadium needs to be crazy come Saturday. This team deserves it. Obviously, we're all deflated. We're disappointed. But this team deserves 
this should be a sellout and it, again and it should just be a crazy atmosphere and it, it it needs to be to back this team up and hopefully you know this team's got a lot of pride they know they got embarrassed i expect that everybody comes out ready to play and i think you're going to see a completely different team and i hope i hope this team rallies behind jason shelley and and helps and doesn't put it all on him and gets the job done so that uh, we can win this South for uh, for Tyler Huntley moving forward here. So before we head into our Pac-12 and 12, there was some exciting news on the recruiting front. Junior Tafuna from Bingham High School uh, here in Utah, outside linebacker, has committed verbally uh, to the Utes. Right now he's rated as a three-star. I wouldn't be surprised if he may be closer to a four-star uh, by the time the season ends. So kudos uh gary anderson and uh, lewis powell uh, for getting that commitment this evening just so you know he had offers to uh, byu nebraska oregon uh, utah state so it, always great to get local kids to stay uh, inside the state of utah and, and play for the utes all right and we go into our pack 12 and 12 and that's brought to you by lyft now do you need some extra cash for the upcoming holidays tuition or just everyday expenses you should consider driving for Lyft. For a short time period only, Lyft is offering our exclusive listeners a bonus of $300 when they sign up using our code UTAHMANPOD. Just download the driver app. It's easy, it's fast, and just use the code UTAHMANPOD, that's P-O-D, and you're on your way to earning a $300 bonus. And who knows, you might get picked up by Jack Tuttle. All right, so before we go into last week's games with the Pac-12, I just want to take a quick look at the standings. So in the north right now, Washington State is in the first place. They have a game up on Washington. And then you have Oregon and Stanford at 3-3. So Oregon's going to have a lot to play for against Utah. But I think Washington State might be running away with it. It could come down to the Apple Cup uh, for that division. And in the south, everything is just tied up. So Utah's in first because they have the most wins. Uh, but you have Utah, USC, Arizona, Arizona State, all with three losses. And then Colorado and UCLA with four. I actually saw an article today from The Athletic. There's a scenario where all six teams could be tied at five, the end of the season. Five and four. And a scenario, the Pac-12 could get 10 bowl eligible teams. So complete madness. I'm sure everyone's already heard Arizona State right now is in the driver's seat in the South. They're the only team that really controls their own destiny. Uh, if they win out, it's theirs. But they have quite the uphill battle uh, to finish the season. So we look at our games uh, last week that we picked. We all went 4-2. and two. Ryan finally is at 500. 23-23. Scott, you're leading 29-17. I'm 28-18. and 18. Ryan is the Oregon State of the, of the podcast. <laughs> I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> so the games, first one, Colorado loses to Arizona 42-34. to Khalil Tate, five touchdown passes, a career high in yards at 350. He went 17-22. J.J. Taylor, 40 carries, 192 yards. I really think that Arizona is kind of taking a page out of Utah where they're now they're not relying on Khalil Tate to throw the ball 40 or 50 times a game. They're letting their running attack, kind of build that off, and just put Khalil Tate in situations where he can make the throw. So Oregon spoils Kip Chelly's return up to Eugene, 
42 to 21 over the UCLA Bruins. UCLA Thompson Robinson left in the second half. Spate came in and actually, I think, seemed to move the ball a little bit better. But, I mean, the game was kind of out of reach at that point. But Oregon playing really well after kind of getting destroyed by Arizona the week before. That will be a tough task for the Utes. Uh, one side note out of that game, their starting center, Jake Hansen, got ejected for targeting. So he will miss the first half against Utah. Wow. A Pac-12 school getting a player ejected for targeting. Shocking. And Herbert does bounce back against that game against Arizona. He goes 18 of 32, 264 yards and two touchdowns. So definitely the secondary for Utah will be tested again going against the Ducks. The next game, Washington defeats the Trees 27 to 23. Miles Gaskin set up the last couple games. He came back and, and had a heck of a game. 28 carries, 148 yards. Jake Browning, 16 of 27. He's not the Jake Browning I think everyone was expecting uh, for his senior year, but I think at this point, if he just doesn't hurt the Huskies, that's really what they need from them. I think the trees are kind of having an identity crisis right now. Costillo throws for 43 times. Bryce Love did play only 18 carries. Technically, I guess Stanford's still in the running for the North, but you got to think that maybe that it's kind of done for them for this season. USC defeats Oregon State 38-21 to as Clay Helton gets a, a win as first time being the play caller this season. This game was close in the fourth quarter. USC only had a seven-point lead, uh, but they were able to kind of run away with it in that fourth quarter. So it'll be interesting to see Clay Helton continue to take on the play calling duties the rest of the season. And then the last game, Washington State narrowly gets a win over Cal, 19-13, to a crazy game. Washington State had a pick six, and then they fumbled it in the back of the end zone. That really could have put the game away for them. Cal really capitalized on Washington State's seven penalties. I think five resulted in first downs for Cal. But man, Washington State, when they when they turn it on, they, they can, they're really, really good. Uh, Minshew finished with over 300 yards through the air. You got to think right now, they are the favorite to win the North. So looking ahead to this week's games and our picks, Scott, your week to go first. UCLA's traveling to Tempe to take on the Sun Devils. ASU is a 12 and a half point favorite right now as we're recording this. Where are you going? Well, I will be cheering wholeheartedly for the UCLA eight clap Bruins. Because uh, we need we need ASU to come away with at least one loss in, in their final three games. But uh, for picking purposes, I will go with uh, I'm going to go with the Sun Devils on this. I think they win probably pretty easily. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Arizona State uh, senior night for them, so I think they come out ready to go. And and UCLA is just not showing very well this year, so I got to go with the Sun Devils, right? Yeah, as much as I want UCLA to get that victory i don't think it's going to happen asu all right washington state's traveling to boulder to play the colorado buffs washington state's only a five point favorite right now i would think it would have a little bit higher but five points scott where are you going yeah washington state they're kind of doing their uh, where they play down to the level of their competition so um but Four straight losses for uh, for Colorado. I just I don't see that changing. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Washington State on that. Yeah, I think the Buffs and the bad haircut with McIntyre lose this one. I got the Cougars. Ryan, I will go with the Cougars as well. I don't 
I don't see any way Colorado State wins that. Well, because Colorado, Colorado State is not playing in it. <laughs> I meant Colorado. All right, Oregon State Beavers are traveling to Stanford to take on the tree. Stanford's a 21.5 point favorite. Scott, what do you got? Oh, Oregon State's kind of coming on, uh, but I think uh, the home field advantage for Stanford will be just too great. I'm going to go with the trees on this one, right? Oh, Stanford wins because Oregon State's awful. How am I going to make up any ground if you all pick the same <laughs> as me? I think this next game could be a little interesting. The Cal Golden Bears are traveling to L.A. to take on the Fighting Trojans of USC. USC's a five-and-a-half point favorite. Scott? Ooh, I'm going to go, uh, ooh, this, Cal's, Cal's kind of coming on as well. Um, but I think uh, a little too much on the line for USC and uh, Helton and his play calling will uh, will will US, USC to the win here. It's all bull crap. Couldn't say it better, Wit. I'm going with the Bears on this one. I'm going to go with the mighty Trojans in this one. All right, in the last game, we're picking Oregon traveling to Salt Lake to face the Utes. Utah's a three-and-a-half-point favorite um, as we're recording this. I think when it first opened up, it was about five points uh, for Utah, so it has kind of slid towards Oregon. Scott, uh, who do you have and what's your score? Well, this is a tough one. A lot of unknowns in this game. How will uh, Jason Shelley play? Um, but with all that is on the line, I expect a better performance from the Utes. So I'm going to go with a, a little bit more conservative approach this week. Uh, I got the Utes winning. Yes, winning 21-19. to 19. I'm going to go on a limb on this one. I think Oregon actually comes in and beats the Utes. This Saturday, I have Oregon 30 to 27, and I hope I am wrong. Ryan? I'm going to go with the Utes. It's going to be tough, and they're obviously, I don't think they're going to be scoring as many points as we've seen before this last debacle, but I'm going to say Utah wins 27 24. All right, so that will do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Uh, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at UtahManPodcast. And you can always find us at our home at UtahManPodcast.com. And be sure to subscribe and like us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and where you can find a podcast. We are there. And hopefully Utah gets a much-needed win over the Oregon Ducks this Saturday. And Jason Shelley just goes off. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.